Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful I testify that there is no true God worthy of being worshipped except Allah And that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger <coughs> May Allah sallam, be upon the Prophet His noble and pure family And the noble companions and those who follow on their path until the day of resurrection We continue the explanation of Sharh uh, Balugh uh, al-Maram the attainment of the objective according to evidence of the ordinances by Al-Hafid Ibn Hajar Rahimahullah Ta'ala and uh, we reached last night we discussed the hadith number 3 and I will remind you of the hadith inshallah and all we are talking about the uh, book of purification this is the very beginning and the chapter on water the chapter on water and the last hadith that was explained last night was Hadith Abi Umama Al-Bahili May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him Where it is narrated that the Prophet sallallahu said Water cannot be rendered impure by anything except something which changes its smell, taste and color And in the other narration by Al-Bayhaqi Water is pure unless, all, unless any impure thing is added which changes its smell, taste, or color. And uh, this uh, hadith, the first part of it, that water cannot be rendered impure, uh, this part is authentic. The rest of the hadith, both of them are weak. So, uh, the, uh, the consensus, however, of the Muslims on the fact that purity can be changed by filthy matters that is the case when it changes the water's odor, taste or color and this is by consensus not, uh, this is deducted by consensus not by the weak narration which is the uh, that you have heard uh, from this hadith of Abi Umama the second part of the, of the statement uh, and that of Al-Bayhaqi as well so from this also we learned the following uh, principles that <coughs> that water is of two categories water is of two categories there is no third part to it according to the correct opinion and that it is either pure or impure and that the second principle that we learned from uh, the three hadiths that passed is that water does not become impure except by changes except by changes that will change its odor, taste or color and therefore if impurity falls in the water and does not change any of these uh, qualities then in this sense the water uh, remains uh, pure uh, whether it's uh, in small or large amounts the third principle is that the impurity that affect the water is that which occurs in it is that which occurs in it and as such if it's odor for example if it's odor 
the changes due to let's say some corpse around it dead animal or something around it then the water remains a pure remains a pure uh, it is related that this is the consensus of the ulama of the scholars that unless the impurity falls in it and causes the change so meaning that if the water changes by something close to it without occurring directly in it meaning the, the impurity then it stays pure the fifth principle is that the basic ruling with respect to the water is that it is pure in nature this means that if you find some water and you are doubtful about its purity whether it's pure or impure then the basic ruling is that originally the basic ruling is that it is pure meaning that it does not change from, impuri from purity to impurity unless there is something befalls in it from impurity rendering it changed in one of the situations either by the color, odor or taste now if someone then asks the question how, come, how can one render water pure meaning if we know that this water became impure how does it get pure how to purify it the answer is that it can be changed to the pure state by anything which will remove the impurity it is because the ruling goes with its cause existing or non-existing so as long as the lawgiver have, con have conditioned that impurity that filth can change the purity through either odor, taste or color then if that is removed then it turns pure by any cause for example, if we add some chemicals to the water such that it removes the impurity and there remains no odor or color or taste, then this becomes pure and it can be used for wudu to perform the ritual purity also it is permissible to use it in irrigation and it is permissible to drink as long as it does not cause any harm to the person similarly if wind or the sun removes impurity from water without addition of anything then also that is rendered pure again because الحكم يدور مع علته وجودا وعدما because of the ruling principle that rulings go with their causes existing or non-existing similarly 
if we see this impurity in the water from a certain side of it meaning the color, the odor or the taste changed from certain side of the water yet the rest of the water did not change and if we remove this part which had changed then the rest stays unchanged meaning on its pure state similarly this would occur when the water is somehow thick not on its natural liquidity in this sense the impurity would not expand when the water is somehow thick and the evidence for this is that the Prophet when he was asked about the mice or you know if a mouse falls into fat shortening which is used for cooking the ghee for example the Prophet ordered and this is in the Bukhari and Muslim to take it out and that which is around it and to eat from the rest of the ghee so the basic ruling therefore now which we can relate is that concerning the purification of that water touched by impurity is that when the impurity is removed by any means or itself on its own clears out from this impurity then that water returns to the state of purity and therefore it can be used to lift the ritual impurity and to remove impurity by it as to the drinking if the purification process was through the use of certain chemicals then this matter refer is referred to the doctors if they say that it doesn't, it's not harmful then it may be used to in drinking now we go to the next hadith and this is the hadith of Abdullah bin Umar hadith number 4 and this hadith عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله تعالى عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا كان الماء قلتين لم يحمل الخبث وفي لفظ لم ينجس أخرجه الأربعة وصححه ابن خزيمة وابن حبان والحاكم ابن عمر narrated that Allah's messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said if there is enough water to fill two قلتين, two pots and we'll talk about the size of these pots in a minute if there is enough water to fill two pots it carries no impurity it carries no impurity another version has it does not become unclean it does not become unclean okay this is reported by Al-Arba the four meaning Abi Dawood, Al-Nasai, Al-Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah and Ibn Hibban and Al-Hakim graded it as Sahih, as Sound Abdullah bin Umar, the narrator, who is Abdullah bin Umar? He is Abdullah, the son of Umar ibn Khattab May Allah be pleased with him and his father At an early age, he accepted Islam at an early age and he died in the year 
of 73 after Hijrah. 73 after Hijrah. Therefore, in this hadith it says, إِذَا بَلَغَ الْمَاءُ إِذَا كَانَ الْمَاءُ قُلَّتَيْنِ And الْقُلَّةِ is a pot. الْقُلَّةِ is a pot. And its capacity is around 200 kilograms or uh, actually around نعم, around 200 kilograms capacity so if the water is enough to this degree then it carries no impurity in the other wording it does not become unclean meaning if it reaches this amount so if impurity falls in it it will not render it impure because this kind of a limit of 200 kilograms or so is enough that it does not cause this type of a change from purity to impurity it's large enough this hadith there is a great deal of disagreement concerning this hadith in its text as well as in its uh, chain of narration there are those who from the scholars of hadith who rendered this hadith as authentic considered it and uh, some of them and uh, mainly Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah uh, extensively talked about this hadith and uh, he uh, considered it weak uh, yeah well in actuality however first the saying if the water is enough to fill two pots it will not carry the impurity is this really general? is this really general? there is no doubt that it is not so by way of consensus by way of consensus because if we take it to be general then it's apparent meaning would mean that it will not become unclean whether it changed or it did not change by any impurity and this is in opposition to the general consensus because the general consensus is that if water it changes by impurity then it becomes impure and therefore it is not correct to take by the general meaning the general meaning that if there is enough water to fill two pots then it carries no impurity on this generality secondly this hadith has a mafhum has an understanding which is if it does not reach the size of these two pots then it is filthy it's considered impure and the apparent understanding is that whether this changes or it doesn't change it doesn't matter and in this sense it will be in opposition to the hadith which came earlier the hadith of Abi Umama that water cannot be rendered impure by anything except something which changes it whether the changes in the color, the odor and the as we talked about it earlier so the hadith of Abi Umama that water cannot be rendered impure by anything except the changes touching odor and uh, taste and uh, 
color this the indication from this is a literal meaning while from the hadith of Ibn Umar here the evidence is through the understanding meaning that when there is a contradiction between the implications of that which has a literal meaning and that which has an understanding then an implication through understanding then that with the يقدم المنطوق meaning that with the literal meaning takes precedence anyway if the water reaches the level filling two enough to fill two pots and filth falls in it if it really renders it impure by the changes in color or any of the changes then that is the situation meaning with the change we cannot really say that we cannot say that if the water reaches the level of the two pots filling that and filth falls in it and it changes its color or odor or taste we can't say that it stays pure so if impurity falls in it and it changes it in any of the three cases then it becomes impure and if it doesn't then it will remain pure even if it doesn't reach the level of filling the two pots however when the water really is in small amounts then caution should be taken especially if filth is falls in it in considerable amounts this would really make it close to a change it will render it really it will be more likely changing from the impure to the pure state from sorry from the pure to the impure state so the more it becomes less in quantity and the more filth goes into it then precaution should be taken meaning not to consider it 100% pure a person should check it to make sure that the filth did not affect it and in this case it only can be used for necessity however if you are sure that there is no change whatsoever in either one of the cases then in that sense it's irrelevant whether the water is small in amount or great in amount or large in amount if you are sure that there is no change whatsoever had occurred despite the amount of filth falling into the water Ibn al-Mundir said that the scholars unanimously are on the saying that 
whether the water was a small in amount or large in amount and impurity falls in it and it changes any of its characteristics from odor, taste or color then it becomes impure Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, rahimahullah said the water does not become impure except by the change whether it whether its level reaches the level of the two pots which is close to 200 kilograms as we said earlier or it doesn't however what is less than such a level a person should be cautious regarding it if filth falls in it because most likely in this case that it will change it when the amount of water is small most likely that it will change it and therefore the person should be careful and uh, use it only when he is sure that there is no change in either of these characteristics in either one of these characteristics and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most high knows best so this brings us now to the uh, hadith which is number five and this hadith uh, of Abi Huraira where the Prophet said none of you should take bath in stagnant water when he is sexually impure this is reported by Muslim and Al-Bukhari also لا يبولن أحدكم في الماء الدائم الذي لا يجري ثم يغتسل فيه none of you should urinate in stagnant water that is not flowing then take bath in it and also from Abi Dawood ولا يغتسل فيه من الجنابة and the version of Abi Dawood is that one should not take bath in it from sexual impurity this hadith inshallah will be explained tomorrow والحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم